Chapter 17 of The Wyvern Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sandra Cullum. The Wyvern Mystery by Joseph Sheridan Le Fanu. Mildred Tarnley's Warning Story. As she reached the top of the stairs, she called to the old servant, not, I think, caring to traverse the haunted flooring that intervened, alone. She heard Dulcibella talking, and a moment after her old nurse appeared, and standing by her shoulder, Mildred Tarnley. Oh, Mrs. Tarnley, I'm so glad to see you. You've been paying Dulcibella a visit. Pray come back and tell me some stories about this old house. You've been so long here and know it so well that you must have a great deal to tell. The old woman with the unpleasant face made a stiff curtsy. At your service, ma'am, she said ungraciously. That is, if it don't inconvenience you, pleaded Alice, who was still a little afraid of her. Tis as you please, ma'am said the old servant with another dry curtsy. Well, I'm so glad you can come. Dulcibella, have we a little bit of fire? Oh, yes, I see. It looks so cheerful. So they entered the old-fashioned bedroom. I hope, Mrs. Tarnley, I'm not keeping you from your tea. No, thank you, ma'am. I've had me tea an hour agone, answered the old woman. And you must sit down, Mrs. Tarnley, urged Alice. I'll stand, if it please, ma'am, said the withered figure perversely. I should be so much happier if you would sit down, Mildred, urged her young mistress. But if you prefer it, I only mean that whatever is most comfortable to you, you should do. I wanted so much to hear something about this old house. You remember what happened when I was coming upstairs with you, when I was so startled. I didn't see it, miss, ma'am. I only heard you say some answered Mildred Tarnley. Oh, yes, I know, but you spoke today of a warning, and you looked when it happened as if you had heard of it before. The old woman raised her chin, and with her hands folded together, made another curtsy, which mutually seemed to say, if you have anything to ask, ask it. Do you remember, inquired Alice, having ever heard of anything strange, being seen at that passage near the head of the stairs. I ought, ma'am, answered the old woman discreetly. And what was it? inquired Alice. Don't know, ma'am. Would the master be pleased if he was to hear I was talking of such things to you? suggested Mildred. He'd only laugh as I should, I assure you. I'm not the least a coward, so you need not be afraid of my making a fool of myself. Now do tell me what it was. Well, ma'am, you'll be pleased to remember tis you orders me in case Master Charles should turn on me about it. But as you say, ma'am, there's many things. Tis all nothing but old woman's tales and fribble-frabble, and tisn't for me to say... I'll take all the blame to myself, said Alice. There's no blame in it, as I'm aware on, and if there was, I wouldn't ask no one to take it on themselves, more than their right share, and that I'd take leave to lay on them myself without stopping to ask 
whether they likes it or no, but only I told you, ma'am, that I should have your orders, and with them I'll comply. Yes, certainly, Mrs. Tarnley, and now do kindly go on, said Alice. Well, please, ma'am, you'll tell me what you saw. A heavy black drapery fell from the top of the arch through which we passed to the gallery outside the door, and for some seconds closed up the entire entrance, answered the young lady. Aye, aye, no doubt that's it, but there was no drapery there, ma'am, such as this world's loom ever wove. Them as weaves that web is lighter hand and heavier heart, and the deal himself speeds the shuttle. And as she said this, the old woman smiled sourly. I was talking of that very thing to Mrs. Crane here when you came up, ma'am. Yes, said old Dulcibella quietly. It was very strange, surely. And there came quite a cloud of dust from it rolling along the floor, continued Alice. Yes, so there would, so there does, tis always so, said Mrs. Tarnley, with the same faint, ugly smile. Not that there's a grain of dust in all the gallery, for the child Lily Dogger and me washed it out and swept it clean. Dust, ye saw, but that's no real dust, like what the minister means when he says, dust to dust. No, no, a finer dust by far, the dust of death. No more clay in that than in yon smoke, or the mist in Carwell Glen below. No dust at all, but such dust as a ghost might shake from its winding sheet, an appearance, ye understand. That's all, ma'am, like the rest. Alice smiled, but old Mildred's answering smile chilled her, and she turned to Dulcibella. But good Mrs. Crane looked in her face with round eyes of consternation and a very solemn countenance. I see, Dulcibella, if my courage fails, I'm not to look to you for support. Well, Mrs. Tarnley, don't mind. I shan't need her help, and I'm not a bit afraid, so pray go on. Well, you see, ma'am, this place and the house came into the family, my grandmother used to say, more than a hundred years ago, and I was a little thing when I used to hear her say so, and there's many a year added to the tale since then. But it was in the days of Sir Harry Fairfield, they called him Harry Boots in his day, for he was never seen except in his boots, and for the matter of that seldom out of the saddle. For there was troubles in them days, and militia and yeomanry and deer knows what all, and the Fairfields was ever a bold daredevil stock, and them dangerous times answered them well. And what with dragooning and what with the hunting field, I do suppose his foot was seldom out of the stirrup. So my grandmother told me some called him Booted Fairfield, and more called him Harry Boots. That was Sir Harry Fairfield of them days. I think I've seen his picture, haven't I? At Wyvern. It's in the hall at the far end from the door, near the window with a long wig and a lace cravat, and a great steel breastplate, inquired Alice. Like enough, miss, ma'am, I mean. I don't know, I'm sure, but he was a great man in his time and would have his picture took, no doubt. His wife was a Carwell, an heiress. There's not a Carwell in this country now, nor for many a day has been. Twas she brought Carwell Grange and the Vale of Carwell to the Fairfields. Poor thing, pretty she was. 
her picture was never took to wyvern and much good her land and houses and good looks done her the fairfields was wild folk i don't say there wasn't good among em but whoever else they was good too they were seldom kind to their wives hard bad husbands they was that's sure alice smiled and stirred the fire quietly but did not interrupt and as the story went on she sighed they say she was very lonesome here well it is a lonesome place you know awful lonesome and always the same for old folks like me it doesn't matter but young blood's different you know and they likes to see the world a bit and talk and hear what's afoot be it fun or change or what not and she was very lonesome moping about the old garden, planting flowers or plucking roses, all to herself, or crying in the window, while Harry Boots was away with his excuses, now with his soggerin and now with the hounds, and truly were worse manners if all were out. So not twice in a year was his face, handsome Harry Boots they called him, seen down here, and his pretty lady was sick and sore and forsaken, down in her own lonesome house by the Vale of Carwell, where I'm telling you this. Alice smiled and nodded in sign of attention, and the old woman went on. I often wonder they tried to hide these things. Twould be better sometimes they were more outspoken, for sooner or later all will out, and then there's wild work, and mayhap it's past ever making up between them so stories travel a most without legs to carry em and there's no gainsaying the word o god that said let there be light for sooner or later light will be and all will be cleared up and the wicked doings of harry boots far away and cunning as always done come clear to light so as she could no longer have hope or doubt in the matter poor thing she loved him better than life better than her soul mayhap and that's all she got by a bad villain that was. He was untrue to her, said Alice. Lork, to be sure he was, replied Mrs. Tarnley with a cynical scorn. And so she had that to think of all alone, along with the rest, for she might have had a greater match than Sir Harry, a lord he was. I forget his name, but he'd have given his eyes almost to a gutter. But I wouldn't a do, for she loved booted Harry Fairfield, and him she'd have, and wouldn't hear her no other, and so she had enough to think on hearing in Carwell Grange, the house she had brought the Fairfields, poor bird alone, as we used to say. But the rest of her time wasn't very long. It wasn't to be. She used to walk out sometimes, but she talked to no one, and she cared for nothing after that and there's the long sheet of water in the thick of the trees, with the black yew edge around it. I know, said Alice, a very high hedge, and trees behind it. It is the darkest place I ever saw, beyond the garden. Isn't that the place? Yeah, that's it. She used to walk round it, sometimes crying, sometimes not, and there she was, found drowned, poor thing. Some said twas by mischance, for the bank was very steep and slippery. It had been rainy weather where she was found, and more said she made away with herself, and that's what was thought among the Carwell folk, as my grandmother heard. 
for what's a young creature to do with nothing more to look to and all alone with no one ever to talk to and the art quite broke you said i think that there was a picture here inquired alice i said twasn't took to wyvern ma'am there was a picture here they said twas hers my grandmother said so and she should know twas the only picture i remember in the grange and where is it inquired alice dropped to pieces long ago twas in the room they called the gun-room in my day the wall was damp twas gone very poor and rotten in my time and so black you could scarce make it out many a time when i was a bit of a girl some thirteen or fourteen years old i stood on the table for a long time together a-looking at it but it was dropping away that time in flakes and the canvas as rotten as tinder and every time it got a stir it lost something till ye couldn't make nothing of it it's all gone long ago and the frame broke up i do suppose what a pity said alice oh what a pity can you do you think remember anything of it she was standing you could see the point of a shoe white satin it looked like with a buckle that might be diamonds there was a nosegay i mind in her fingers with small blue flowers and a rose but the face was all faded and dark except just a bit of the mouth red and smiling at the corner very pretty but twas all gone very dark you know and a deal of the painting gone and that's all i ever seen of the picture well and did anything more happen asked alice who yes lots down comes booted fairfield now there was no one left to care whether he came or went the carwell people didn't love him but twas best to keep a civil tongue for the fairfields were dangerous folk always twas a word and a blow with them and no one cared to cross em and he made a bother about it to be sure and had the rooms hung with black and the staircase and the drapery hung over the arch in the gallery outside down to the floor for she poor thing lay up there not in this room said alice who even at that distance of time did not care to invade the sinister sanctity of the lady's room no not this the room at t'other end of the gallery twould require a deal of doing up and plaster and paper before you could lie in it but harry boots made a woundy fuss about his dead wife they was cunning after a sort them fairfields and i suppose he thought twas best to make folk think he loved his wife at least to give em something good to say of him if they liked and he gave alms to the poor and left a good lump of money they say for the parish both at cressley church and at carwell priory they called the vicarage so and he had a grand funeral as ever was seen from the grange and she was buried down at the priory which the carwells used to be in a new vault where she was laid the first and has been the last for booted fairfield married again and was buried with his second wife away at wyvern so the poor thing living and dying has been to herself but is there any story to account for what i saw as i came into the gallery with you asked alice i told you miss it was hung with black as i heard my grandmother say and thereupon the story came for there was three ladies of the fairfield family at different times before you ma'am as saw the same thing well ma'am at the funeral as i've heard say the young lord that liked her well if she'd a had him and liked her still in spite of all 
gave Sari a lick or two with the rough side of his tongue, and a jewel came out of them words more than a year afterwards, and Harry Boots was killed, and he's buried away down at Wyvern. Well, see there, ain't it a wonder how gentlemen that has all this world can give will throw away their lives at a word like that, moralised Dulcibella. Crane, and not knowing what's to become of them when they've lost all here, all in the snap of a pistol. If it was a poor body, twould be another matter, but, well, it does make a body stare. You mentioned, Mrs. Tarnley, that something had occurred about some ladies of the Fairfield family. What was it? inquired Alice. Well, they say, Sari, that's booted Fairfield, you know, brought his second wife down here only twelve months after the first one died, and she saw, at the very same place, when she was setting her first step on the gallery, the same thing ye seen yourself, and two months after, he was in his grave, and she in a madhouse. Well, I think, Mrs. Tarnley, you needn't be telling all that to frighten the young lady. Frighten the young lady, and why not if she's frighted with truth? She has asked for the truth, and she's got it. Better to fright the young lady than fool her, answered Mildred Tarnley, coldly and sternly. I don't say you should fool her by no chance, answered honest Dulcibella, but there's no need to be filling her head with them frightful fancies. You ha scared her, and you saw her turn pale. Aye, and so well she ought. There was three other women of the Fairfield seen the same thing in the self-same place, and every one to her sorrow. One fell over the pixie's cliff, another died in fits, poor thing, with her first baby, and the last was flung beside the quarry in Cressley Common, riding out to see the aunt and was never the better, or the brain or bone after. Don't tell me, woman, I know rightly what I'm doing. Pray, Dulcibella, don't. I assure you, Mrs. Tarnley, I'm very much obliged, interposed Alice Fairfield, frighted at the malignant vehemence of the old woman. Obliged? Not you. Why should you? retorted Mildred Tarnley. You're not obliged. You're frightened, I dare say. But tis all true, and no Fairfield has any business bringing his wife to Carwell Grange, and Master Charles knows that as well as me, and now the long and the short of this. Ma'am, you've got your warning, and you'd better quit without letting grass grow under your feet. You've seen your warning, ma'am, and I a told you stark enough, the meaning on't. My conscience is clear, and you'll do as you like, and if after this ye expect me to spy for you, and fetch and carry stories, and run myself into trouble with other people, to keep you out of it, you're clean out of your reckoning. You'll have no more warnings, mayhap, none from me, and so you may take it, ma'am, and leave it as you see fit. And now Mildred Tarley's said her say, you have my story, and you have my counsel, and if you despise both one and t'other, and your own eyesight besides, you'll even take what's coming. You shouldn't be frightening Miss Alice like that, I tell you. You should not. Don't go frightened at any such a story, dear. I say, it's a shame. Don't you see how you have her as white as a handkerchief in a regular state? No, Dulcibella, indeed, said Alice, smiling, very pale, and her eyes filled up with tears. I'll frighten her no more, and that you may be sure on, and if what I told her be frightful, tisn't me as made it so. 
thankless work it be but tis an er nor you i sought to please but just to take it off my shoulders and leave her none to blame but herself if she turns a deaf ear it's all offering counsel to a wilful lass you'll excuse me ma'am for speaking so plain but better now than too late she added recollecting herself a little and can i do anything please ma'am below stairs i should be going for who knows what that child may be a-doing all this time thanks very much no not anything said alice and mildred tarnley with a hard dark glance at her dropped another stiff little curtsy then withdrew well i never seen such a one as that said old dulcibella gazing after her as if it were through the panel of the door you must not let her talk that way to you my darling she's no business to talk up to her mistress that way i don't know what sort of manners people has in these here out of the way places i'm sure but i think you'll do well my dear to keep that one at arm's length and make her know her place nothing else but encroaching and impudence and domineering from such as her and no thanks for any condescension only the more affable you'll be the more saucy and conceited she'll grow and i don't think she likes you miss alice no more i do it pains young people and some persons always to hear from an impartial observer such a conclusion there is much mortification and often some alarm well it doesn't much matter said alice i don't think she can harm me much i don't suppose she would if she could and i don't mind such stories why should you my dear no one minds the like nowadays but i wish she liked me there are so few of us here it is such a little world and i have never done anything to vex her i can't think what good it can do her hating me no good dear but she's been here so long the only hen in the house and she doesn't like to be drove off the roost i suppose and i don't know why she told you all that if it wasn't to make your mind uneasy and dear knows there's enough to trouble it in this moping place without her rigmaroling such a yarn hush dulcibella isn't that a horse perhaps charles is coming home she opened the window which commanded a view of the stable-yard and is he gone a-riding asked old dulcibella no there's nothing said alice gently besides you remind me he did not take a horse he only walked a little way with mr henry and he'll soon be back nothing is going wrong i hope and with a weary sigh she threw herself into a great chair by the fire and thought and listened and dreamed away a long time before charles's step and voice were heard again in the old house. End of chapter 17